Roll Tide to that, everybody. Alabama comes out on top of Florida State 24-7 in the most anticipated week one matchup in college football history, some are calling it, especially us on this podcast. You're listening to Pat's Interference, year three, episode five. We're going to break down that game, plus give you a preview to Fresno State. You're not going to want to miss this episode. This is Pat's Interference. What is good, everybody? The GOAT, hard to believe, greatest opener of all time, has come and gone. You know, all the hype, all the talk, everything leading up to an entire offseason focusing on it. And now it's over. Alabama wins 24-7. They're moving on to game two. A lot to be impressed with, but a lot to work on. And that's why you tune in to Pat's Interference. We can break it down for you. I'm Patrick Brickman, my beautiful co-host. I am Patrick Norwood Brick. Uh, quite a great game for Alabama, if I can say so myself. I, I think uh, I think if we would have told each other that 24-7 would be the final with Alabama kind of pulling away in the second half, you and I would have been pretty, uh, pretty pleased with it. Pretty pleased with it. I was pleased with the game. Obviously, there are moments in the game that we'll get into where we were kind of, you know, more on more on edge with some, some decisions and whatnot. But overall, overarching feeling, um, Alabama, you know, that's as good of an opener against a tough opponent as – you can ask for with a new offensive coordinator and, you know, all kinds of new guys out there on defense. Where, let me ask you this. Where does it rank among all? So let's go back. Let's say we start at 2008. So here are your openers. 08 Clemson. 09 Virginia Tech. 2010 San Jose State. We'll, we'll just they're, nudge they're, that one they don't, the yeah, they, don't, they don't count. Uh, um, who is 2011. Penn State was like the second game. Penn State was week two, so we'll we'll so we'll throw 11, that in there for fun. Because because 2010 was also Penn State week two, so those were kind of openers, but not really. Right. We'll, we could even leave those out if we wanted. Let's go ahead and do that. 2012 was uh, Michigan. Michigan. Then you got Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech again. West Virginia. West Virginia. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. USC. USC. And then of course Florida State. So I would put this Florida State game. Probably, I would go USC 1 just because of the way we just dominated after that first quarter and just the final score. I'd go Clemson 2 just because that was kind of a coming out party, kind of an, the start of what Alabama's become. And then i go this 3, but they're all very close. I would, I would say, uh, gosh, I would say this is 1 for me just because it's, it, it was a one versus three. The, level, the level of the opponent. Well, you know that's a good that's a good uh, that's a good point and a good argument. You there. know. Well, and then my number two, I would say, is the 2009 Virginia Tech game. Number three would probably be the Clemson game. The 2009 okay. Virginia Tech game. Everybody, you know, 2008. Everybody said, "Whoa, this Alabama team is going to be really good," but no one really expected anything. Well, you, 2009, had, you still had Tim Tebow in Florida that was dominating exactly every, every conversation at the time. Well, and you had it in 2009, too, but 2009, after that opening weekend, you know, nobody was talking about Florida. Everybody was talking about, oh, my gosh, Alabama just bowled over Virginia Tech. So that that one really stands out for me. Any, any game from that 2009 season is special. It, it really is. It's it really, really special. It was a good season. I think we could be, you know, we keep saying this, but I do think after watching that game that we could be in tune for maybe another special season. I will say this. Watching this game, this is Alabama. I feel like Alabama's coming back down to earth from last year. Not that they're bad, not that they're even remotely bad. They're very good. This was a team that you go, okay, there's some stuff to work on. Coming out of the first game last year, remember, we were like, you know, once we figure out quarterback, you know, Hurts took over. 
this is an unbeatable team, which they close right. were, but they lost the national championship. There's some, there's some holes on this team. Um, sure. But if we go back to, you know, the first half versus the second half in this game, we saw what the team was capable of when they've got momentum. Sure. Um, so we'll go ahead and I guess we could start that discussion. I'm going to actually go ahead and, uh, you know, tell you that from my perspective, you know, I was, I was in the stadium, I was filming the game, very tiring, obviously. Um, right. But it was very cool to be there. Um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the new one, absolutely no joke. Uh, it was worth all the hype. It was an absolute marvel to behold. Um, and obviously nine years in the making. If I had to compare it to Dallas, that's what people kept asking me. Everyone went, how does it compare to Dallas? Because I was at the Michigan game that year too. Sure. I would go as a venue, as a destination, I think is how you put it. I would still go Dallas. It's still more of a destination. But I will say the roof at Mercedes-Benz Stadium is one of the coolest things in the world. And here's a cool fact for you. If you unravel that big jumbotron that goes all the way around, somebody's telling me it's taller than the tallest building in Atlanta. Wow. It's a big circle. Very cool. Um, I would definitely love to go back there to see another game, maybe a national championship or an SEC championship or both. That'd be sure. cool. But um, a lot of energy in there. A lot of energy. Alabama came – both teams obviously came out with uh, a lot of fire. Um, this was, for all intents and purposes – a rivalry game. Obviously, they're not rivals, but the way this game was talked up, the energy that went into it, and the expectation, this was a rivalry kind of atmosphere. Sure. Well, and you've got the storylines too. You've got Francois versus Hertz. You've got Fisher versus Saban. You've you've got you know B Dabs and his first contest. Um, you know you've got a very weak offensive line for Florida State trying to prove themselves. You've got an Alabama defense trying to prove themselves, losing so many pieces. Um, one of those things worked out a little bit better than the other, I'd say. But, you know, it, it definitely it, – it had a lot of hype, and I'd say it lived up to the hype. Um, you know, let's – break if you don't mind, I think the best way for us to go about this is not to go kind of play-by-play, but kind of hit key moments. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, the best moment for each team. Okay. Uh, the worst moment for each team. Mm-hmm. Uh, your key players from each team – and then a final takeaway. I can do that. Okay, so let's let's go ahead. Uh, go ahead and give me your your key moment for each team, uh, whether it's good or bad. Uh, what was the moment that stuck out in your mind that was maybe a turning point in the game, or was maybe something that Alabama or Florida State can look forward to, or that they need to change? Okay, so there are several key moments in this game. Um, I would still go probably the number one was a combination of moments. Um, it would be the pass interference that wasn't called in the end zone that the next play turned into a blocked punt. Yes. And that's not to give, uh, block you know, field goal, right? Block field goal, sorry, blocked field goal. Right. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick got to it, Rashawn Evans on the return. Um, that was the big, I want to say, linchpin. Going into the half, Alabama gets a blocked field goal. So that game could have either been 14-10 at halftime or 10-10 at halftime. Instead, it stays 10-7. Alabama comes back with all that momentum from blocking a field goal, and then we saw what they did in the third quarter. Um, Florida State's big moment in the game obviously probably did not come in that second half. Um, it would have been it would have been their touchdown drive. I mean, that was their big one. They came right down the field. They ran well on that drive, got first down. That was the one where they hit, um, I want to say it was Gavin, the guy that made the, the 
was it Gavin or, or it was one of their tall receivers. They hit him on a jump ball over Averett uh, deep, and then they just a couple plays later ended up getting another jump ball in the end zone. Um, so those are two of the big moments, obviously, in a game full of big moments. Yeah, I, I think for me the uh, the big moments definitely the blocked punt. Um, Damian Harris getting in there that was that was for me that was kind of the the deal sealer. You know, um, I read a statistic. Uh, one time a couple of years ago uh, that if you get uh, if there is one block on special teams you have an 88% chance of winning the game if there are two you have a 98% chance of winning wow. the game That's now obviously those those statistics have been you know probably moved around a little bit over the past few years but I doubt they've moved enough to really make a difference. Uh, you know so that's that's a pretty telling stat and I remember that and I actually told um, my girlfriend who was sitting on the couch with me, I told her, uh, you know, that stat. And she was like, oh, so we've won. And then I was like, well, not really. <laughs> I mean, For some reason, I just – I never really feel great about it. I was like, there's still a 2% chance. I was just being that guy. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be the moment for me from an Alabama standpoint. Now, from a Florida State standpoint, the jump all over Minka Fitzpatrick was great. Um, you know, they had a freshman running back who came out, Akers, who played phenomenal. Um, out of the two freshman running backs coming in, he – definitely kind of carried the torch there um now do i think he's going to have a more fruitful career not necessarily but i think during this game he played better however the moment that sticks out for me is obviously the loss of deandre francois that was, yeah, the that, entire was a season. that was a gut punch. um that is that is the moment where if florida state fans look back on this season as a total wash or a total you know catastrophe that is going to be the moment they look towards and say, well, it could have been different if this wouldn't have happened. Uh, now, I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think you agree with me. I'm not going to spend any more time on it because I think it's a ridiculous accusation. That's not a dirty hit. I don't know how else you're supposed to tackle somebody when you're chasing them down, but people are saying that Ronnie Harrison dove at the back of his knees and rolled over his back. It, it's just not true. If you see it, he tries to wrap around the waist and he falls onto his, you know, lower knee sort of calf area and it sucked and he felt bad about it you know he was clearly shaken up about it um you know you didn't really hear very much from Ronnie Harrison the rest of the game so I don't think it's a dirty hit that's all I want to say about it uh but that's the moment I take away now Brick tell me your key players for each team for this game key players uh FSU you know I have to go Dalvin Cook he was the reason that Alabama had trouble getting a lot of things going on certain Hold on. drives. Hold on. Who? Da- did I say Dalvin Cook? You did. That was a force of habit, everybody. Derwin James. Derwin James. There we go. The ghost of Dalvin Cook was also in that stadium at times. Maybe. Yes. No, no, no. Um, Sorry, that that would be Derwin James. Uh, Yeah, he was, he was really the reason that Alabama couldn't get things going a lot of times. You know, you mentioned the blocked punt. Right after that came our most heated moment of the game when Alabama came out with a pretty bad game plan trying to score on that drive. Uh, run, Wolf. pass, sack, and then, of course, he had to uh, to pass. And Derwin James made almost all three of those plays happen. Every time I'd look through my camera lens, you know, we'd run for a loss, run for a two-yard gain. I'd go, oh, yeah, there's number three. No wonder that just happened. He's an animal. I, think he, I do think he was the best player on the field um, just from what he was doing and all that. Um, but i go he was the player of the game. For Alabama, I have, I'm having trouble singling out, out one guy. It, it, you know, it'd be easy to say Calvin Ridley because he's the only receiver that even remotely made an impact. He scored our big touchdown that put us back up. 
Um, so I go him definitely offensively. Defensively, it was just a combination of everybody everywhere. I do like what Levi Wallace and uh, and and Mac Wilson did. I'd probably go Mac Wilson on defense. Sure. Why not? He gave a lot of momentum. He almost had two picks, did have one, and he was in on a lot of big plays. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. Um, you know, I I think for uh, for the sake of obviously it's Sterwin James is going to be Florida State's player, but for the sake of you know us not being the exact same, I've already mentioned him. Cam Akers had a whale of a game. He did. I mean, he 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 really really had it was his coming out party. As much um, as I hate I, to say it, he was he was head and shoulders better than Patrick, like most fans expected. Yes, yeah, I I agree. I'd agree with that. A no, tough I'm start for to our see, namesake. I, I exactly welcome to the club uh <laughs> hashtag team patrick i think that um he's gonna have a great career like i said i, I it'll be interesting to see kind of uh all uh uh aj green and julio jones where their careers kind of go i think they're that's both going to be very that's successful. a good comp right there it, it's just it's, it's just sort of you know who is going to be that guy that steps up who has that game you know, for Julio, I can think of a couple of games, Tennessee in 20, gosh, what was that, 2010, and then obviously the blackout game in 2008 where Julio just took over those two games. Yeah. Uh, one of those games being his freshman year. Um, so I, I'd say Cam Akers, obviously it's Derwin James, but just for the sake of changing it up. And then for Alabama, it's got to be Damian Harris. A blocked punt, a touchdown, and then the first play of the game, you get a 34-yard run, and then we never run that play again, which why? Why, God, why? But, you know, I, I think Damian Harris really kind of solidified his role as the starter on this team uh, for this season. Um, yeah, people any, have been sleeping it, on him for far too long at this point. Anyone who is willing to go out there and block a punt, um, you know, with as much gusto as he did, uh, really, really earns it in my book. Another player that I want to point out and probably my favorite play of the game. Uh, Raekwon Davis gets put in and like, I don't know, four seconds later, Florida state hikes the ball. It was, it was like a weird hurry up offense sort of thing. Broadcasters mentioned, Oh, there's Raekwon Davis got shot earlier this week. Boom sack. And it was a beautiful sack. Oh, he just nice pushed little, the dude aside. Nice little, yeah. Strip rip swim move by Francois on the ground. I, we never really heard from him again, but it was a huge play in the game. Uh, and that's somebody that I just kind of wanted to bring up. Uh, Brick, I can't really remember what my next question was for well, you. Well, here, I'll give you a quick shameless plug. If you want to watch that play on a loop, um, as, as well as the Calvin Ridley touchdown, the Damian Harris touchdown, and the Mac Wilson interception, Mac those Wilson four plays. Pick, yep. If you want yep. to watch those plays on a loop, head on over to patsinterference.com. We've updated, updated the page. Uh, we had the Ole Miss highlights last year. I used some of the uh, highlights from this year. Now that is our background on the page. And, of course, and some of you guys might already be something? there watching it if that's the way you're listening to this podcast. Can I just say something? You, you're you a great camera guy, all right? Like, And I'm not even saying that because I'm your buddy or anything like that. You do an excellent job not only well, following the ball but following the action. That's why I tell my students at High Point all the time. You don't always have to follow the ball. Follow the action as well. You know, keep in mind what's going on. It's not just about where the ball's going. It's about, you know, in soccer, who's making a run? You know, in lacrosse, how, how is the formation being played out? Where are they running through, you know, the X position or the position behind the goal? In basketball, are you going up for a guy with an alley-oop? You know, keep the action in mind. You do a great job of that. Well, thank people you. That's what I've been doing every day for the last two years. So I, I sure. work hard at it. I appreciate that. Sure. But people, just please listen. If a camera guy misses something, 
Don't berate them. All right, it's a very hard job. I know it looks easy. It's point and shoot. We're mad it up really at ourselves. It's a really hard job. It's really, really hard for some people. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that Patrick and I are great at it. We've had a lot of experience doing it, and I think that helps out. It's a really, really hard thing to do and a hard thing to be really good at. So I just wanted to point that out. And if you go to our website, you can see some of that. When you're watching uh, the NBA game and you see, you know, I, I have no idea how they do this so perfectly. When you're watching an NBA game and they show you the highlight of, the player shoot the ball, zoom in on the ball, in the basket, zoom back out to the reaction of the player, all in one swift movement. Oh, great. I have no idea how they can be that good. That Golf. that is such a skill. Somebody that has that skill should make. I, I don't know how much they make, but they need to be making more than they're making. How how do you even shoot? Like I I go out and I shoot golf tournaments. I don't follow the ball. I, no I don't idea. understand how people can do it. It's insane. I will, I will show our player hitting it. I will pan over to where I think it's going to land, and I'll zoom in after it lands. And that usually gets the job done when you go into post and you can edit it. You can kind of clip it so it looks it looks good. You know, you're not wasting people's time and everything. I don't know how people follow a golf ball. These professional shooters, man. You know, I hope I am one one day, but we'll see. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very good skill. Whoever, anyway, uh, whoever back, back on track. Kudos to I you. honestly don't remember the next point I was going to bring up. Uh, after key players, but I, I, I do want to kind of wrap up the Florida State, um, Alabama discussion with a couple of uh, lasting impressions. You know, where do both teams go from here? But we do have to discuss. You know, we we did bring this up. Um, we have to discuss Brian Dable's first game. I looked at the sure. numbers. It was forty-two rushes to eighteen passes. Now I will say, some of those rushes were Jalen Hurts ducking out too early. I do want to talk about Dayball. And then Jalen Hurts, just kind of recap their performances. Sure. Um, so 42 to 18 does not seem bad on the surface. And I didn't hate the play calling except the one drive we've mentioned. Agree? Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm going to tee off on that here in a second. But actually, I won't. I'll just get it out now. Why in the hell are we running the ball? Or are we not running the ball inside the five on first and goal? Well, he ran it on first. It went for about a yard. Second and goal is when we decided to pass and roll him out. Wow. And I don't remember who came free. And I think it was Josh Sweat came around and, and got him from also, behind. And nobody blocked why him. Why are we – I understand it when there's – you know, when we've got a whole field to work with. Why are you cutting off half of your field when you're at the goal line? That I don't understand either. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't understand it. You're cutting off half of your field by rolling out your quarterback. But I will say this, his first game, the team's first time running the offense, to ask them to go out and do a new offense against that defense, I can't complain too much. I needed to see them play some teams more down to earth uh, and see them kind of get more in a comfort zone. Now if we get to the end of the season, we're going, the play calling's bad like <clears throat> the last two years, that'd be a little different. But um, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment for the beginning because of who we had to go up against in game one. Sure. Um, Jalen Hurts, what are your thoughts on how he played? Uh, you you can tell that the maturity is, is beginning. I'm not going to say it's there. Um, there was still my big thing, you and I talked the morning after the game like we always do um, while you're on the way back. Uh, the, the big thing that stuck out in my mind was there's not a lot of recognition sometimes on corner blitzes, safety blitzes, Things of that nature where a hot read can be called and he's not getting crushed. There were a couple plays where I think everybody in the stadium except Jalen Hurts knew what was about to happen. Uh, and, you know, a quick draw up the middle 
or a quick hot read, you know, slant route over the middle, and we've got eight or nine yards. Instead, he hikes the ball, freaks out, and just lays down. And I, yeah. I just I don't understand that. I, I don't like that. But he didn't force the ball as much as he did. He stayed in the pocket a little bit longer than he did last year. Not I think much. That's something, that was my big complaint is that he bailed out too many times too early. I, well, and he did, but I didn't see it as much as I did last year. I wanted to see him get unleashed a little bit more. I guess that's a tall order again in this game. I still feel like the coaching staff is hesitant to let him sling it downfield. I really do. Like the one time not downfield, but down the middle. Everything is still diagonal. Everything is still. He he got a couple more in, and and that should have been completion of Jerry Judy was was as nice nicest of throws he's ever made. Yeah. But, um, I still feel like maybe because Derwin James and Tavares McFadden and all these five star defensive backs were back there, maybe they were just trying not to give FSU any kind of free interceptions, free momentum when we were winning. But I still feel like. Like we said, you said this perfectly in our last podcast leading up to the game. If you're going to throw the ball, commit to it. Yes. Right? We want to see you run shot. the ball. We realize you can't run 100% of the time. Not even Georgia Tech does that. But hey, they don't. It's painful. it's painful. They had some beautiful that passes in that game. We'll, we'll get into Georgia Tech at some point this season, even though they lost. Love that quarterback. But anyway, um, yeah, obviously you have to throw it sometimes. When you do it. Commit to it. I don't feel like we were still committed to showing, you know, just him slinging the ball, which, you know, I'm not a coach. I'm not the one at practice. Maybe that would have been a mistake. I still want to see it. But hmm. I give him a – honestly, I'm having trouble. I'll give him a maybe a B-minus performance just because he did beat number three and didn't turn the ball over. Um, I can't I can't go above a B-minus for if I had to give it a letter grade. I'd, I'd, I'd give it a B. Just given the competition, I'd give it a B. Um, you know, he's still the leader out there, and the ball that he threw to Ridley over the middle was just beautiful. Yeah, we missed a lot of those passes last year. He didn't do the stupid we, jump hop going into it either. Yes, he didn't. And he also, you know, I don't, I don't, and I'm not insulting you at all. Maybe you don't remember the days of, say, Brody Croyle and John Parker Wilson, where as soon as they load up to throw a deep ball, it feels, it, it felt like how we feel about field goal kicking now. That any time that happened, it was just, oh, God. Okay. We're not talking field goal kicking this week. We're just not doing it. No. I'm sorry. I can't. We just be regurgitating what fans have already talked about yes. and what we've done over and over again. Three of five is still not good enough. 60% is not good enough. He made three. If he'd made only two, maybe we'd talk about it. I'm not talking about it. Anyway, Let's get it together. I, I feel like. The days of Alabama quarterbacks missing wide open guys streaking down the middle of the field with a step on their defensive back are, are dwindling. I won't say they're over, but I remember back in the day with John Parker Wilson, especially. My God, there could be a man on, you know, if they were playing that game in Atlanta, there could be a man at, you know, Turner Field, and John Parker Wilson would still overthrow him by 10 yards. I mean, just. <laughs> Every single time. Thank God he had a Julio Jones one year. He had him again in Atlanta. He was the backup in Atlanta for a long time. He had a pretty good backup career, by the way. Very yeah. strange. Um, yeah. Okay, so we'll put a bow on um, Alabama FSU. Uh, I forgot what your score prediction was. I actually kind of feel like I was in the right ballpark with 21-13. FSU could have easily had another touchdown. They didn't. I believe I said – I believe – 
I said something like, oh, God. I think I said 27-10. I don't really we were, remember. We were honestly. both in the ballpark. You know, we were we, both yeah. kind of in there. We'll just you say actually we had, If you right. said 27-10, you had the right spread. We'll, um, we'll just say we were right. Yeah. We both – our feelings kind of did come to fruition. You know, we, we, we thought that it would be, you know, a typical uh, pressure cooker, you know, death by a thousand cuts kind of win for Alabama, and that's exactly what it was. Yes. Oh, defense, by the way, excellent. Yes, phenomenal. Excellent. Ex- even phenomenal. even some of the jump passes. I mean, you forget sometimes that when Alabama's playing Florida State, it's as many five stars as you're going to ever have on a field, and their five star receivers made some catches over our five star corners. Those things happen when you have a quarterback like Francois throwing the ball. Um, defense. Now let me great. ask you: Two Alabama linebackers are out for the season after this game. How big of an impact is that on this defense? Well, that's what we're getting into. So we'll kind of segue into our. Uh, other FSU discussion, Fresno State, um, by starting with the fact that two linebackers are out for the season, two more are almost certainly out for this game. So we got Christian Miller and uh, Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis both out for the season with um, season-ending injuries. Anthony Jennings and Rashawn Evans out for at least this game, maybe the next. Hopefully they're back by our SEC opener. Um, losing two linebackers is huge at any school. I see a lot of people going, well, Alabama will just insert their next two five-stars, and that's true. We are replacing with two five-stars. Um, that is absolutely 100% correct, but it's still the experience there. And even Terrell Lewis and Christian Miller aren't that experienced. It's going to be big. It's going to show up its head at some point. Um, luckily, we've got two weeks to kind of figure it out before the SEC slate. Not, not to dog on Fresno State. But you know what I mean. Just we've we've got two, and then we got Colorado State after that. They're not cupcakes, but they're not. You know, they're both Division One schools, right? And even even in that, you know, those next coming weeks, it's not like Alabama's really got a gauntlet. Alabama has gotten through their toughest game of the season that we know of. Now, it could be a situation where you know LSU, Auburn, somebody like that. All of a sudden, yeah, both oh those teams gosh. looked good last week, and we'll we'll get we'll see how that unrolls. No linebackers sure. um, is big, obviously, but Nick Saban did kind of say in his press conference yesterday that it is sometimes, not to say it's a blessing in disguise, but it can be because you know Mac Wilson, Ben Davis, um, Dylan Moses, especially the first and the third one I just named, are all going to get very valuable experience. They both Holcomb got to play a lot a in this past too. game. So um, we'll just have to see. I mean, these young guys are going to have to step up, and they're going to have to step yeah. up quick because, you know, I, getting into this Fresno State game, I'm just going to warn you. We have to – and I'm not giving excuses. I'm not saying this is even acceptable. But I feel like you and I need to be aware of the possibility of at least a little bit of a letdown game. Yeah. If I, I, I have well, a feeling that that's what's coming. That's what happens when you play a top five team. Right. It seems like, you know, when we play LSU and LSU's in the top 15 yes, and we beat the LSU, next, it, the next that week, next the week Miss- is always. The Mississippi State game is always garbage. Other than the year where they came to play in Tuscaloosa and Dak Prescott was ranked number one. And that, well, that team, obviously. But do we play them the, after LSU that week? That year? Yes. That year? Okay. Um,. I will because throw that another was, one in. You remember that was the year that LSU was not very special. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll throw another one in. 
Uh, TJ Yeldon takes a game-winning touchdown into the end zone. Next week, we let Texas A&M go up 21-0, and we have to claw our way back, and we never really do. Right. Right. So, Alabama Not saying we're losing to Fresno State, but I feel like we're both going to get on this podcast next week and not be super thrilled with a lot of the things we see. And I'm aware of that that. fact. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I I think it is going to be sort of figuring things out and working out some kinks from the Florida State game. However, you look at it, and we talked about there's not really, you know, here, here we go. Tell me a game where Alabama is challenged between the Florida State game uh, tomorrow now for me, and well, and you now, because uh, I guess it is technically Friday there for you yeah. now. So you said Fresno uh, State, then we got Colorado State at Vanderbilt and Nashville. Uh, Verse, you get Ole Miss and Tuscaloosa at College Station, maybe, but that's the yeah. first one that comes up. But. Did you see the way that Josh Rosen picked them apart in the second half? Right. I mean, Josh Rosen's a good quarterback, but that's a game I feel like we – well, I'm not saying we will lose. Arkansas, we Tennessee, can. LSU all at home at State, Mercer at home at Auburn. Our team needs to be ready to go by A&M. They need to be ready to go by Saturday, but they need to be ready to go by A&M. I, I'd say you need to be ready to go by Ole Miss. I, I'd say that's your absolute – all right, we need an identity at least – starting to be molded by Ole Miss and completely molded by Texas A&M. So two weeks. Yep. I feel like what we're going to see in this Fresno State game, and I'm going to very much reserve judgment because of it the next two weeks, we're going to see our quarterback sling it because at some point we're going to need him to. So the yes. coaches are going to get them reps, and I'm going to have no problem with it. If right. we get a I'm three and out and all well. of them are passes and we're up right. a couple scores, I'm going to be fine with it. Right. Tomorrow's game, a 3.30 kick on ESPN2. Brick, Fresno State put up 66 last week without scoring any fourth quarter points. However, that game was against uh, – I'm not kidding you here, okay? This is genuinely a school in San Antonio, Texas, I did not know existed, called Incarnate Word. That's a school? The uh, home of the Cardinals. Is that incarnate? Uh, is that what we're saying? Incarnate, incarnate? I don't know. Incarnate. Well, um, they didn't score at all, but they're a small FCS program from San Antonio. Uh, the Bulldogs coming out with a thirty-two point third quarter. Um, you know, this is this is no team to turn your nose up at, but you now, know, sixty-six points is sixty-six points. You still got to execute no matter who you're playing. Sure. However, Fresno State went one and eleven last season. Right. Uh, they've got a brand new coach, um, new offensive schemes, and every everything that you could imagine that you don't want to have going on when you're going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. Right. This isn't Derek Carr's um, Fresno State. No. No, it is not. No, it is not. So, uh, Brick, let's just do a quick little five-minute touchdown on this. Um, yeah. You know, we, we've kind of talked about what Alabama needs to figure out on offense and defense. Um, is there any sort of strategy or anything else that you see Alabama trying to work out during this game? Um, and anything that Fresno State, if they do pose a potential threat, where do you see that threat coming from? Yeah, so Alabama, like we said, needs to work out the pass game. They need to start getting other people involved, not named Calvin Ridley. Um, I do want to st- kind of start to get Scarborough going. Um 
And uh, defensively, you got to figure out the the corners. I mean, not the corners, the linebackers. And then, you know, I want to see us get after the quarterback a little bit more. Um, one sack against FSU. We got pressure on Francois, and he's a good quarterback, so he got rid of it. But I want to see us get pressure on whoever Fresno's throwing out at quarterback. Those are the main things. But like I said, be ready for a letdown game. Be ready for the team to come out slow. This is a day kickoff after beating up on an opponent, or beating, not beating up, but beating an opponent um, in a game like the game opener like we just saw, number three. So I feel like we'll start slow, we'll get frustrated, and Saban will get frustrated, people start talking about how blah, 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 and then the team will kind of start to shape it up around the third quarter. Yeah, I could, I could see this game being one of those where first quarter ends, Alabama's up 3 nothing, and everybody's starting to smash the upset alert button, only to be disappointed when they look up at halftime and it's 31 nothing. Yeah. You know, and my uh, final score I I wrote it down a couple of days ago. Uh I think I had 35-7. Yeah, it's uh, Alabama opened up as a 45 point favorite. I was going to ask you does Fresno State cover the spread? I think they do. Um mainly cuz like we talked about Alabama's coming off a big game. I don't think it's because of anything that Fresno State's particularly posing a problem towards. Now they do have a great pass offense. Um you know, traditionally However, like I said, they got new offensive schemes. Alabama got great pressure on the quarterback last week. Uh, so, you know, I think that's something to take into account. I, I think Fresno State covers the spread, but barely. Uh, I'm going to go, I'll say 42-14 with one of those touchdowns coming in against the twos with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. All right, my bold prediction for this game, I'm not asking you to give one unless you want to, but my bold prediction is going to be, I think we see Tua Tungavailoa had Attempt Ooh. at least ten passes in this game. Oh, the Hawaiian punch! Hawaiian punch! Oh, a, a little, a little two of the tank, if you two will. of the tank. The Hawaiian punch. Uh, I think a little, he throws at a least little, ten uh, passes. A little touchdown, Tua. I wouldn't. I didn't want to go as far. Uh, my original prediction was going to be that he's going to get some time with the ones. I'm not going to go that far. I don't know about that. I feel like that'd be a little risky. I think there's a possibility, but. Um, no, he, he attempts at least 10 passes, and he wows everybody, and we start going, how much do we need to play this kid? Okay. I like it. Do you see a situation in which Alabama goes to a two-quarterback system? No. No, 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 no. Not under Dick Saban. He's not about that life. He wants to have his backup ready in case our quarterback that, you know, runs and hit, gets hit a lot. You know, if I had to pick a quarterback that has a – not that he's going to get injured, but he does get hit a lot because he runs so much. Now he's built like a tank, and he's a – you know, he's – a huge weightlifter and can bench and squat will have her many 600 pounds. But, you know, he does get hit a lot. And we've seen, like last game, that, yeah, you can have a big quarterback, but things happen, and we have yeah. to have our backup ready. Yeah. Another, uh, another shout-out, if you're not on Twitter, other than following PI underscore podcast, you need to be following Alphonse Taylor. Shank. I'm looking up his Twitter handle right now so I can tell you. He has been killing the Twitter game this year. He actually really? answered a lot of fan questions today. They were pretty interesting. You know, he's just being very um, – he is Shank50 with two K. So, at S-H-A-N-K-K-50. Remember Alphonse Taylor, the former offensive lineman? Of course. Um, he's just given a lot of great insight. You know, uh, things like, who was your favorite quarterback you played with in your career? Immediately answered Coker. Just weird, weird, fun things like that. That's great. That's great stuff. That's great stuff. Um, I, I I would say also go follow, if you're not already, Landon Collins, who always responds to trash talk from opposing teams, and it's hilarious. Oh, he's great. 
He is great. He, he's fantastic. I'm wishing him nothing but the best this season. Brick, let's let's go a little off script since we we do have a little time left in this episode. Yep. Uh, give me the NFL season started technically last night, but tonight. Who is your Alabama player that's in the pros that is going to have the best season? Period. The best season. Period. Just overall stat wise. Numbers wise, you know, making a name for themselves, whatever you want to say, who is going to have that season? Well, cheating would be Julio Jones because he's the best Alabama player, former Alabama player currently on a roster. So I'm not going to go there. I feel like you maybe have one in mind while I'm thinking about it. I do. It's not really a shock, but I I do. Well, go ahead. I I think it's going to be Amari Cooper. I drafted him. I, I did too, and I, I think Amari is going to have one of those years where kind of at the beginning of the season, it's not, you know, it's not bad, but it's not anything impressive. You know, people start doubling, doubling, whoa, double teaming him, and then, you know, you, you got a couple other guys on that Raiders wide receiving core. Isn't Michael Crabtree there now? Uh, a couple of guys like that. Uh that I think are going to take some pressure off Amari, who's really going to be able to then get open and get some yards. Um, I'm not I'm not sure why. I just feel like Julio's in for uh, still a Julio Jones year, so nothing unimpressive, but just less impressive than last season. You want to know what? He had four. He only had four touchdowns last year. Does that not sound very low? That does. He had four. Now, obviously, he completely didn't he break his took cr- over in the playoffs. Didn't he break his career? Yards record? Now he he had the most yards. He had a uh, fourteen fifteen hundred yards. He led the league in the yards. But yeah, four touchdowns seemed low, which is, you know, I hate to say it, but I did pass up on Julio Jones in my PPR league because I took Antonio Brown because the dude had more catches and twelve touchdowns. Sure. Anyway, and I hate to say that about you, Julio. You know, you and him and I go way back. Obviously, sure. You know, who, we all do. Him and I, him and I, um, you know, we go on hot air balloon rides together. Sure. <laughs> I, that was my Stephen A. Smith. That's, that's a great God. What is that he, from? Is he that a babysits. Life it was an SNL thing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Me and that's Steve great. Nash go on hot air balloon rides together. <laughs> that's he Jay babysits we'll, my kid you know on what? multiple we'll, we'll occasions. I can the, t- uh, say he's personally a great friend. We'll we'll put that clip up if we can find it. We'll put it up on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> we'll put it up on social media tomorrow. By the way, Brick, that social media, uh, the 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 handles and all that jazz the kids are doing nowadays. That's that's Pat's interference. P A T apostrophe S interference on Facebook at P I underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can go to our website at patsinterference.com. Email us at patsinterference at gmail.com. Uh, do us a favor. Go on iTunes. Uh, give us a rating. Tell us what you think. Uh, we're always looking to improve. Plus, those ratings really go a long way to growing the pro- the podcast and really getting more listeners in, uh, which is something that's a goal of ours this season. Uh, we're hoping to have our national review uh, hopefully tomorrow night. If it's got to wait till Saturday, it's got to wait till Saturday. You're going to listen to it no matter what. We know you will. And if we got to combine a couple episodes, we'll do that too because we're really flexible. And, and we, then real quick, it. real quick to all of our, because I know a lot of people from this area listen. I don't need to say it to you. I know I don't. But if, uh, you know, to all our southern, south and central Florida friends that are, you know, sure. currently uh, looking like they'll be in the wake of Hurricane Irma coming over the weekend and early next week, stay safe, stay smart. Obviously, this bad boy's no joke at all. Um, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, stay Good safe. Yeah, you be, a lot you be of teams have canceled too. their games. Florida State canceled their game. Florida, 
Miami, South Florida. That should tell you how serious this is if you're not taking it seriously. I don't know why it wouldn't be. But, yes. you yeah, know, just I, uh, know that we're Rick, thinking you, about you. Be safe a lot too of now. I know, I know you're over in the panhandle, but just take care of yourself, all right? We're, we're watching closely, but I think I think it's going to – I think we're just going to feel some of the side effects of it. I think we're going to get some of the, the rain and the very slight wind. I, I think it's going to miss us. But, you know, today – Tomorrow's the day where everything kind of becomes really clear, and sure. um, but yeah, if you're you know I got family in South Florida, I got you know a lot of friends, and I know you do for sure in Absolutely. Central Florida. So absolutely, um, yeah, absolutely. Stay safe there, and when All we right. come back next week, um, we're gonna have a little bit more for you. Obviously, we'll talk Alabama, and then we'll talk a uh, a lot of really good games. We got Auburn, Clemson, we got Ohio State, Oklahoma. It should be fun to uh, to talk about those as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We couldn't do this without you. It's always been a dream of ours to do. Uh, and most importantly, break. Roll, Roll time.